Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that has never paid hush money to a porn star, <laughs> mostly because I'm always proud to be associated with the adult film industry. Yeah. I'm your host, Al Mancini, and if you Google me online, you'll probably find a few collaborations with <laughs> Joanna Angel, Jenna Hayes, and a few other adult film actresses, but I promise you that I am fully clothed in all of them. <laughs> in the co-host chair this week, keeping me in line, well, not so far, but probably soon, and making sure we stay on topic is offthestrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens. You know, I don't know if I can make those promises. I mean, I have to promise to be fully clothed, too. I mean, you know, I am a longtime fan, a supporter of strip clubs, burlesque, all of it. Maybe I'm not the one to keep you in line this week. Okay, well then, we'll see how the line goes. That, um, that'll be uh, food and loathing after dark, maybe. Right, that'll be fun. Um, no, I don't know who's going to, I mean, for you, people will tune in. For me, people will tune out quickly, I can assure you of that. Oh, and while he is not with us today, as he's traveling back from the Pacific Northwest, our producer Rich Johnson is behind the scenes, mixing down the mayhem, <laughs> reducing the noise, and adjusting the EQ because sadly he can't adjust my <laughs> IQ. Nice. Oh gosh. Well, you know, we're coming to you this week from the South Point Casino and we have a great show planned for you today in anticipation of the upcoming Chefs for Kids dinner that Al and I will be hosting on April 15th at the Palms. We will be speaking to dinner fundraising chair Renee Gugliel-Medi. Please tell me I said that right. <laughs> and supporter and teacher Crystal Momi later in the show. We wanted to talk with them to learn more about the organization and the event. But first, we do always start the show by discussing some of the restaurants we visited oh yeah this is where we make the audience drool not not in a porn <laughs> way They're totally different still i don't know i'm just stuck on that i've been watching a lot of news this week <laughs> uh do you want to start the restaurants this week let's do it happily happily um i because i want to talk so much about uh, or rather with our guests about the event next week i'm gonna bring mine back um, and be really brief about some two things uh that were new to me this week I tried Toast Society. Um, I looked it up. I'm not. There, there's so many of these toast places popping up all over the place that I never know who actually owns them. If mm -hmm. I'm getting real food or if I'm just getting, you know, Cisco something from I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You, what you're you just never know. Yeah. So, but I looked it up. Their website seems to indicate that it's largely family-owned, and my favorite demographic, women-owned. They work with coffee professionals, dietary nutritionists, and all the culinary experts. I'm currently in love with their Avo Everything, which what, sounds... Before, before you get into the food, please? where are they located? That's a good question. I have... I admit I've had it ordered, so oh, I have okay, to look cool. it up. Okay, sorry. Uh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Shut up, Al. Um, there is one on the west side in, Hend or in Henderson, and there's one on Fort Apache. I just don't know the cross street. Okay, cool. um, That much I do know. Um, but I'm currently in love with their Avo everything. Um, it sounds simple enough with cream cheese, oil, everything bagel seasoning, and duh, avocado. <laughs> um, I choose the nine grain bread, some hot honey. I actually like eggs on mine, a little extra salmon maybe. Uh, I've chosen MCT oil and flax seeds in the past, just different things for crunch and texture and things. Uh, but my other favorite, which I don't even usually do breakfast or even much bread, which is why this one is surprising to me, is the breakfast crunch. It has a house-made roasted peanut butter, blueberries, granola, honey, banana, cinnamon. But this place, man, like if I lived too close, it would be daily. I would be in so much trouble. Uh, and again, like I said, there's two locations. I just haven't been to them, but you can look them up online, toastsocietycafe.com. Worth getting up early in the morning for? Absolutely. This Absolutely. podcast, I was barely able to get up in the morning for. So, um, yes, if I, I, need, right. I need inspirations we're, for we're early mornings. We're used to doing mornings. this in the middle of yeah. the afternoon. <laughs> um, the other one I went to, I had a meeting in Southern Highlands on Monday, and so I sat down with a friend at Le Café du Sud. There's two locations. Um, I went to the one right off of Star Avenue, I believe. Um, there's a shopping center right there um, with a Starbucks and other things. Skip the Starbucks, go to Le Café du Sud. Um, I opted away from the pastries this time, uh, but I was drawn in by this duck riette, and I opted for a side salad versus the baguette. The flavors were amazing, fresh, rich. The pickles, mustard, and green salad were all 
perfectly done as to be a good foil against this super, super rich duck. Um, and I liked that it was shredded or pulled. It wasn't like a mousseline like some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little bit too much fat poured over the top of it. Um, so you can kind of, you know, pull that out if you need to. But I was making bites with the salad and the mustard and the pickles and just taking the duck out of the dish. Um, it, the closest one to me is 30 minutes away. But also, if you have to be up in the morning for a meeting, highly recommend it. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, I guess I just had to plan more daytime, more morning activities <laughs> right. so I could check these joints out. Um, okay, I guess I'm up next. I got to be honest with you. I'm probably a bit more critical of the restaurants I went to this week than I normally am. Yeah. Or I guess I just have more not 100% positive things to report this sure. week. Um, but, you know, it's not to really look down on any of these restaurants. It's just I, you know, noticed yeah. some things that weren't where they're supposed to be. So well, if I sound like I'm pissy, it's not. <laughs> no, I just, I'm only bringing it up because I'm afraid people are going to think it's because I'm up there. This early in the morning i'm just being more of a dick uh so that's that's really not more it. than uh, usual more, yeah because i wrote this and I, you know when i was I, I wrote my notes down while i was totally well rested <laughs> anyway um after attending the opening party at the new Wahlburgers in mandalay place which we told you about last week i decided to pay the place a visit for a meal they had only been open for a few days when i did so honestly um you know it was obvious that they had only been open for a few days. There are still a few glitches. And look, that's fair enough. I get it. It's tough opening a restaurant. So, you know, let's take this all with grains of salt, with things that are going to be, you know, get better. Um, Look, some of these glitches were just funny. Like the menu listing for their crispy chicken and ranch sandwich that described it as two beef burger patties dusted with house-made Southwestern spice rub, pepper jack cheese, fresh jalapenos, lettuce, house-made smoked pepper salsa, chipotle mayo, and pickles. (laughs) I, I have to admit, I felt a little guilty asking my waitress about it, uh, you know, because, yeah, sometimes you're like, well, that's obviously a typo. But I'm like, I don't know. you got to ask because God forbid I come on this podcast and I go, what a stupid typo. And they're like, no, we make our chicken with beef. You just don't know. And based on some of the restaurants I visited this week, that could be out there somewhere. Chicken sandwiches made with beef. Uh, but no, it was not. She confirmed. That's the weirdest <laughs> beef alternative or chicken alternative yeah. I've heard of. Oh, man. But she confirmed that it was, in fact, a mistake. So it was at that point that my great waitress, she was fantastic, but she also began to tell me about some other menu items that weren't available that day, including their over-the-top Grand Burger, which comes topped with a foie gras tourchon, duck confit jam, (laughs) pickled onions, arugula, balsamic glaze, truffle aioli, and fontina. That's something that I would order. But as I said, they've only been open a couple of days, and they did not have it on the menu. So um, that was a little bit of a drag. It Again, is, because I wanted to go and get one on my way home. But I'm assuming that they're going to work <laughs> these things out and, um, and you know, get, get that all taken care of. But and, and a lot of the other things, too, not, not to pile on. Um, I ordered their Our Burger, which is a, they call it beef burger, government cheese, lettuce, tomato, pickles, onions, and signature wall, wall sauce, and a, a vanilla shake. And since it, I have been a tater tot fan since way before they were hip okay you we, we know tater <laughs> tots are hip Napoleon right now dynamite <laughs> yeah no i've always loved tater tots and i remember when rick moonen started putting them you know fancy top yeah. tater tots on his menu um and nobody was really doing that now every Everybody fancy chef does it and tots. domino's is in on the deal and you know all that shit but um you know it's gone too far when domino's is offering tater tots yeah once once your trend gets picked up by domino's maybe we've out done the top thing i think maybe although i still had some at home last night with sloppy joe's so <laughs> can't say i mean i do i love me my tots there so, you go uh, because of that fact i actually ordered their tot flight okay. with all three of their tater tot preparations they've got spicy cheese and bacon barbecue chicken and parmesan truffle um so now this is what i ordered now there's a bit of a wait and there's only water sitting in front of me long enough for the hostess to actually notice and come over and ask if I'd ordered a drink. I said, yeah, I did. So she was going to go check on it. A little while later, my waitress came back to apologize, explaining something that I didn't quite get about people not being trained to make the milkshakes <laughs> and some similar or some similar weirdness. The and machine then, was broken. And then she told me that she'd been in the back trying to like get the ice cream out, but it was too frozen to even oh, scoop no. it from the container. So I said like, fuck that. I'll just have a Coke. No problem. And you guys are new. I'm okay with that. All good, man. Work out your issues. And you know, she was a very cool waitress. Um, but she did eventually bring me my shake shortly before I left, noting that it didn't have any whipped cream because they didn't have any in the back. Um, so, okay, look, they, they tried. She tried. She wanted to learn how to make it, the milkshake. Like she made me was one. There. Yes. That was great. So, you know, I love her for that. And I, I love the place because they have people who give enough of a shit to care <laughs> to and to it. try. Yeah. So, uh, as for the food, look, the 
Parmesan truffle tots were really solid. Spicy cheese and bacon tots were a bit overkill for me, but I can see why people might love them. The barbecue chicken version was just ridiculous. Um, tots, if you could find them at the bottom of a smothering <laughs> of chicken, corn, salsa, and oh barbecue God. sauce, you definitely could not eat them with your fingers. Even with the fork, they were really fucking awkward for me. <laughs> definitely not for me. But hey, give them a shot. Check them out. Let's see what, you, what anybody else thinks. Uh, as for the burger, I'd say it's a good diner style style burger yeah. and by that i mean you know it's somewhere between a steakhouse burger which tends to be a big loosely formed yep. you know hand formed patty and a um and a fast food burger like a griddle burger really thin and yeah. or a smash burger that's cooked on a griddle right halfway in between with a kind of well-formed patty just what you would get in a solid diner okay you know and and it was good for that that's definitely not the style of burger that i would normally order but the, they do it well so um you know i i much love to those guys. I hope they get their stuff worked out. Um, I, you know, it's always going to be tough for me going into that building. I remember when you Bear Keller opened Burger Bar in yeah. there. Um, you know, I was so in love with that place. But I am trying really hard to approach this new spot with an open mind, yeah. and I hope maybe I'll fall in love with it soon. This was not the trip that was going to make me fall in love with it, but I will be back. I promise you. I spent a lot of time over there, so um, I definitely see myself being back. And Mandalay's got so much going on this year. They do. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I'm and excited. so you know. I know that a lot of that is restaurants wise, but you know, when you're over there for things, you know, sometimes you don't have time to sit down in a restaurant. So a solid burger place is definitely needed over there. Uh, so I hope that, um, you know, they work out a few kinks. They've Absolutely. been doing it for a long time. These Wahlbergs, um, they know what they're doing. So I'm sure they'll get their shit together. Um, Oh, where else? Where else? This weekend, I joined some friends for dinner at seventh and Carson. Um, not a lot to report there. We had the grilled pear, arugula, and burrata salad, which Sue liked a lot. Um, shrimp ceviche with blue corn chips. I will say I never had a ceviche made with um, almost like salad-sized shrimps, but wow. it was good. Okay. It, it was not. That's not a complaint. It was just an observation of something that's a little different. I got the Cajun jambalaya pasta, uh, and that's because I was there with um, Jim Schneider from News 3 yep. Vegas, and he loves that dish. He's told me about it a couple times, so I tried it. That one didn't really hit me uh, at 100%. Of the four dishes that we got, that was probably my least favorite. I think they just used a bit too much. What tasted to me like a like a blackened seasoning. Yeah. And I'm not a blackened guy. I don't usually order things blackened. And I realize in jambalaya you're going to get a bit of it, but that was just the predominant flavor right. that came through. So um, it. it that, that was the weakest, but I, you know I love Car Carson Kitchen. It's like one of my favorite brunch spots. Uh, I don't go for dinner that frequently. Sue had a Thai red curry shrimp, which she thought was fantastic. I had a few bites. I liked that as well. So um, all in all, oh, and then our friend Jackie, the reason we were there is a quick reminder for everybody that Carson Kitchen, while they do have their own menu, they also have the menu from Veggie Nation, Are you, which is you're two talking doors about 7th and Carson. 7th and Carson. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yes. Let's not mix Whoa. the two. Damn, damn, damn. No, that's, let's make that straight. Thanks. That's what I need you for. <laughs> Seventh and Carson, right. Did I, I, have I said that we all have, along from yeah. the beginning? Once. Oh, I only said the wrong place once? Okay, well, then we'll let it in. We'll leave it in there. I only, I'm allowed a few fuck-ups. I mean, it's how people know it's me. <laughs> Anyway, um, you know, I love them for brunch. It's solid being there for dinner. We went because my friend Jackie's a vegan and they can order from Veggie Nation, which yep. is two doors down. So that was cool. I did not try her um, her vegan um, uh, sushi that she got, but she liked it a lot. Good. So, um, and she's from Los Angeles, so she must have good taste. In food. Uh, right. I don't I even mean, know what that means. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what they always tell us, right? Oh, right? We're from LA. We're from LA. <laughs> <laughs> Great episode of um, Letter Kenny. <laughs> In LA, you've got to get the what is it? The burrito? What, oh man, off on a tangent. Okay, come um, back to me. Come back to okay. me. Where else did you eat? On Saturday, I tried to drop in on the Nightmare Cafe. Now you know this is attached to Nightmare Comics in the yes. Arts District. Yes. And you know, I had when I was with the Review Journal, I interviewed the owner, and you know, so I kind of knew the guy. I knew what he was getting started. So I was hanging out with my friend's kid, Calix, my friend Calix, who's also my dog Ziggy Stardust, best friend in yeah. the planet. So he's like 14, 15. I don't know. I don't check ID, but <laughs> that that general age group and. Um, I, we were going to go to the Punk Rock Museum, right? Yeah. So I was like, let's go to the Nightmare Cafe first and see what we can get. Now, look, I hate it when I go online and I read a review of somebody trashing a restaurant because they couldn't get a reservation, right? And they couldn't get in. They walked up without yeah. a reservation. So everything that I'm about to say needs to be prefaced by the fact that I did not have a reservation. Sure. And it was a busy weekend. Sure. And they, uh, God bless them if they're busy, right? Yes. That's, that's great. 
But I walked up, and about a quarter of the tables, actually in the main section right nearest the street, were just fucking empty, right? Okay. So I saw the guy. I think he was the guy I interviewed, but we didn't really connect on that level. Yeah. And I was like, oh, can we grab a seat? Do you have to seat us? And he said, oh, well, I can seat you, but it's going to be at least an hour and a half before you'll get any food. Were they understaffed? I, I don't know, right? And that's yeah. just a weird thing, like yeah, to have a lot of empty tables. And section's not roped off, obviously. Right. And I mean, you know, to which I said, "Hey, congratulations! I'm glad you guys are doing well." But I ain't waiting an hour and a half. Um, you know, I no. had, had you know, I had a um, time that I had to be over at the Punk Rock Museum, so I have not gotten to try that. But good for them; they seem to be busy. We went around the corner. We got some pizza. Goodbye. There you go. It was a great day. Anytime you eat a goodbye, it's going to be good. Um, okay, so let us get to Basilico because Basilico, you have heard of Basilico. I'm oh, assuming? yeah, that's Francesco. Yes, that's yes. Um, Francesco Decado. Of um, of course, he was the first chef in at Anima, one of the first yep. chefs, part of the team that opened it. Um, and he was at Ferraro's before he was that. At Ferraro's prior to that. So a great Vegas chef um, with you know his his talent is indisputable. This is in a new weird complex on Buffalo, just south of the. Um, excuse me i should say just north of the 215 on buffalo okay. and uh, i think it's called evora this huge live work play okay. area that they're building very it's going to be very high income um the first building is open but you can see the other three or four that are still under construction okay. i mean it's going to be a massive think gramercy right that I kind of place i was just gonna ask yeah yeah so this is their italian um Italian concept that they have in there. And I don't want to say it's 100% Italian because it's not, but this is their you know Italian-leaning yeah. concept that they have in there. Um, we know the chef is great. So how good is the meal going to be, right? And first of all, the room is gorgeous, right? They're clearly catering to people with money. They're going yeah. after the people who go to Harlow on the, you know, well, if they're on the a little further to yeah. the. Um, I mean, the room itself is is the experience. The food is just fantastic on top of that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it, it's a gorgeous room. They've got a great outside space. They've got a patio. They have a place where you're, they're going to have bands play like okay. adjacent to it, where you'll be able to sit on the patio and watch that. Everything about this place is great, and they have a ridiculously talented chef. But I see you're looking at me. You know there's a butt in uh, here, right? Am, you're like, yeah. Where, where's the butt? What's he going to say? Okay, this is this is such a hard thing for me to critique a chef for, um, because I love chefs that step out of the box. I love chefs that take um, take chances. I love mm -hmm. chefs that put together um, dishes that are a bit experimental. Yep. Um, they make oh, you think a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I dig that. And even when a dish, you know, fails that way, I still enjoy having it. Right. Thing was, we did a chef's tasting menu. I think they start at seventy-five dollars. They go all the way up. Um, and this was all the chef's greatest hits he wanted us to have. Yep. Obviously, we were there as their guests, so I just said whatever the chef wants me to try. Exactly. So, the issue was that just about every dish was him swinging for the fences to do something that you never might have imagined before. Yeah. And it rocks, right? And the problem is it's hard to make a lot of those dishes rock. It's hard to make them all rock for the same person, right? Different tastes. Right. And, and once you get one or two experimental dishes that don't quite work for you, you, you sort of seek some comfort food, right? right after yeah. that. And they have comfort foods on this menu. So I think this would be a great menu for me to go in and order um, you know, off the menu, order one experimental dish, one comforting food. I feel, feel really good about it. But the way that it was delivered, I, I just felt like he was really trying to impress the world on every dish like right. wow the world with every dish i remember reviewing for las vegas city life brian howard's restaurant new sanctuary okay. in town square probably 15 16 17 years ago some shit like that <laughs> and I, I can remember writing the review i'm sure brian remembers it too i'm sure he has it on a dartboard somewhere where i said this chef needs to take one or two of the bells and whistles off each dish because there are enough right. there already that's a bit how I felt about this one. And by the way, that's good company to be in if yeah. I said the same negative thing about Brian Howard. Um, you know, let me walk you through this. Bread course comes out, and um, one of the spreads is whipped lardo with raspberry gelée. Another one was a seaweed yuzu butter, and wow. then we got our oil and vinegar as well. So, like that's that's out there, and they they were solid. They, yeah. they were good dishes. But, you know, sort of you you're like oh, maybe I just like a little regular butter. Yeah. Like, to sort of take one bite of this and one bite of the regular. So I am right there. We're already okay. I know he's set the stage. I know what this chef's doing. He's gonna wow us. We're the bread course is already knocking us off. And with the bread course came the foie misu. 
which is a foie gras take on tiramisu, they said, is the way that they look at it. And I'm basically, very interested, but... No, it's good. It was okay. a really good dish. Um, a foie gras with fig jam, mascarpone, and then cocoa nibs on the top to give it that sweetness, I right? I love cocoa nibs. Um, now, I, you know, I could I could nitpick and say a little too much on the sweet, a little less on the savory, but that's a matter of taste. Sure. But it was a really large portion. And... It, it was such a wild, crazy, overpowering dish, and I liked it a lot, but I could not finish the yeah, entire portion. It no. was just really kind of just off offset. Um, Kushi oysters came with persimmon, um, kumquat, and sea beans, yeah. and that's a fantastic combination. Overshadowed the oysters a little bit, but, um, you know, it was a good yeah, dish. Kushis so are small, you know? Yeah, they're teeny tiny. Yeah, the parsnip cavatelli, probably my one of my absolute favorite dishes, if not my favorite dish, um, came with fennel seed sausage and um, satachinere cheese. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, that's basically, I believe that's a truffle cheese. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a good dish. Really liked that one. The risotto, probably the one that I liked the least, was a, um, a mascarpone cheese risotto. And that had chestnut honey on it with um, coffee-flavored Pop Rocks. So there's a lot of things happening. You got, the coffee, happening. you got the coffee. You have a basic savory risotto. Then you've got the sweet from the honey. Then you've got the coffee in there. And then you've got the textural changes. And that one I really just feel like needs to be fine-tuned a bit. Before. And mascarpone tends to highlight the sweetness in things anyway. So it sounds like you're. it's supposed to be savory, but it sounds like the sweet is just laying, laying, laying on top. Yeah, for me, I just didn't feel like the balance was right yeah. quite yet. Um, but I will go back and try that dish again sometime in the future. Um, scallop and oxtail. That's a weird entree, right? I mean, do, do you ever... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a strange a kind of, of surf and turf, turf right? <laughs> and um, it, really good. I liked the dish, but it came with a um, nice helping of kale and bone marrow bordelaise, right? Oh, hello. So this is the second time in the past month or so that a chef has served me scallops in a brown sauce. Um and the last time was at Main Street Provision, and I loved those scallops as well. Sure. And this this one, and this was a this was a really really good dish. But again, I think it'll be offsetting to a few people to see scallops coming in a bone marrow yeah. bordelais. It just again, it just feels really heavy for something like a scallop. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I I did enjoy that dish. I'm not criticizing it. I'm sure. just saying this is just a um, the chef really stepping out of the box. Then we had a, a lamb duo that I liked quite a bit, which came with a um it was. It, basically, it was lamb chops, mm -hmm. and then it was lamb belly, Ooh. which was like the lambiest and fattiest of the lamb, I'm right? In. Like it's like eating pork belly, but from a <laughs> lamb. Um, that was really great, and it was coated in what they call a calabrese almond gremolata. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't know what a gremolata was. I, I, I'm sure I've had them before, but you know, you, you, I had to look this one up. So why don't you tell people what a gremolata is? It's basically breadcrumbs i mean it's herbs breadcrumbs olives some garlic so i think it's interesting that they went with some calabrese and some almond because that would give it some nice yeah texture some nice um probably like a little bit of a briny flavor maybe yeah i don't know it was it was a strange flavor profile i liked it a lot worked okay. with the lamb good dish um so by this point like you're hearing me i liked most of these dishes and the ones that i didn't like no problem. You know, I, they would have been fine if they were the only off-the-wall yeah. dish that I'd had. But at this point, I turn to my wife and I say, Sue, man, <laughs> we got the sweets coming. So at least dessert, right? We're not going to, he's not going to be mixing sweet and savory and pop rocks and shit. And <laughs> Oh, no. No, I spoke too soon, man. <laughs> Chef himself comes out of the kitchen and he made me up some Parmigiano gelato. So, yes, some right. cheese gelato, right? Um, and he mixed it up tableside with liquid nitrogen. By far my absolute favorite dish of the night. But, you know, in my mind when he told me that that's what it was, I'm like, Jesus, you can't even just give me straight up sweet for fucking dessert. <laughs> but, again, it was really, really good. Um, that definitely, you know, really great dish. And also the other one was um, a lemon thyme goat milk panna cotta. That sounds with good. With port wine reduction, nutmeg tuli, and seasonal berries. And again, you could just hear all of those flavors that are in there, right? So again, a complex dish and untraditional flavor combination, but it was also very good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, you know, it's, it, it's a chef who's trying really hard and yeah. he's swinging for the fences. And I encourage that all the time. My thing is really just in how you order. I think I need to order one or two, and they're 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 on the menu. Yeah. I need to order one or two, just very familiar, very welcoming, very you know, just heartwarming. Do you know if dishes. he had his bagna cauda on the menu? Um, That's no. that really squished up anchovy dish. It's one of my favorite things no. ever. Oh, two other dishes I forgot. <laughs> 
two of the dishes I forgot. He does an eggplant parm. Okay. Which is a take. Uh, in some ways, it reminds me of the eggplant parm that they're at doing Anima? At, at Anima. But um, three of the dishes I forgot. Oh, my gosh. Shit. So the eggplant parm, which is like the Anima dish in some small ways, but actually it's it has a lot of sauce on it. Okay. Right? So there, there are three different sauces. Because I kinda, just had the Anima one a couple of nights yeah, ago. Yeah, and so did I. But this one, this one looked um, sort of more like a, um, a Christmas burrito, right? When you get it with the different sauces yeah. grizzled and the different colors. Uh, and that was a really good dish. Really, really good dish. Um, the Cacio a Pepe croquetas, which are very, very similar to the ones at Anima. Um, so I'm guessing that's something, they, these are things he put on the menu there sure. that he's bringing with him, which every great chef should do when yeah. they go to a new restaurant. Uh, so those were fantastic dishes. Um, and it's weird for me to say that like that eggplant parm was the comforting dish because it's definitely not a traditional dish, but right. it reminded me of um, a dish that I had. And then one of the wow factor dishes that should get mentioned is they do these um, duck cigars. So this is like a duck mousse inside of like a phyllo dough and they bring it to the table inside a cigar box. They open up the cigar box (laughs) and then they bring you an ashtray filled with, I believe it's like foie gras ash, right? And you you dip the edge of the cigar into the ash. And I can't believe it's, how did I not put that in my notes? Because that dish is a fucking home (laughs) run, man. Um, Really a lot of fun. It's got the wow factor. It's going to get people on, you know, Instagram crazy. And it was just, you know, it was a delightful dish to eat. So um, yeah, there we go. That's where I've been eating. Coming up in the news, Buddy V and the Sheriff and a pizza fit for a daredevil. But first, we're going to spend some time with the folks from Chefs for Kids and learn about their work. This is Food and Loathing. And we are sitting down today with Renee Gugliel-Medi. I always say that wrong. Um, Renee Googs and Crystal Momi to talk about the upcoming Chefs for Kids 31st annual fundraising dinner on Saturday, April 15th at the Palms Hotel Resort and Casino. Renee, you are the chair of the dinner committee, of which I've been blessed to be a part of for two years now. Um, What is Chefs for Kids and why the dinner committee for you? Because I know you do a lot of different things. First of all, thank you for being a part of the dinner committee. You are a rock star and we love you. And why Chefs for Kids? I had a dear friend of mine, uh, Christine Nolan, and uh, she introduced me to Chefs for Kids. She was volunteering on their dinner committee and she was... um, on the board of directors and she said I think this is something you would like and I said absolutely I love the fact that our mission to teach um, to alleviate hunger um, through uh, education and teaching kids about nutrition is very very important and so it was something near and dear to my heart and uh, so I just said yeah absolutely so tell us a little bit more about chefs for kids specifically Chefs for Kids has been around for more than 30 years. We're like going on 31 here. And uh, we actually have these very passionate chefs that um, they raise funds. They started the organization. You guys might be familiar with ACF Chefs Mm -hmm. Las Vegas chapter. And uh, they started Chefs for Kids. And uh, they were just like, we want to be able to feed kids. And so they partnered with um, the University of Nevada, Reno Extension, and they said, what can we do? We want to raise money. We want to help kids. And that's where it was born. If you don't mind me asking, what need were they specifically responding to? You know, we know that there's, that that food insecurity is, you know, sadly way too prevalent in, in our valley. But, you know, is there something specific about the kids that they're reaching out to that you're organization deals with that that made this a necessity they actually um were uh, um reached out with and i can let crystal probably chat a little bit more about that but it was more the nutrition education side of things they wanted to start with the kids and and teach them how to pick a better snack and crystal do you want to kind of jump in on that well we wanted to make sure that the kids learned really early on how to eat fruits and vegetables. So that was our biggest focus. Mm -hmm. And to learn nutrition early and maybe influence parents along the way. And and correct me if I'm wrong, I understand that a lot of this work is done in schools where 
it's probably not the greatest part of town. Um, they are experiencing food scarcity. They don't have the same, um, you know, grocery access that a lot of other people might have. And so the focus is on getting into those families and getting into those kids, how they can make the best of, of what is available to them. Absolutely. Um, we're only in Title I schools, mm -hmm. and so that's one of our stipulations. And so since we started this partnership with UNR Extension and Chef for Kids, um, you know, it's just amazing to go into these schools and teach, and I feel like we're the rock star. So when we walk in the classroom and the kids are cheering, it just doesn't get any better than that. So what is a typical uh, classroom visit like? What, you know, so I'm assuming it's a, a local chef who's well-known. They go into a, a school, maybe not well-known, but you know, well-known among my group of friends probably, um, but a local chef who you know, works in Las Vegas. Now they go into a school, um, they're, facing, they're, dealing, they're, they're reaching out to at-risk children oftentimes in a, a school where there may be a higher level of need. What do they do with these kids when they get in there? There's actually, um, it's actually kind of three-pronged. So nutrition education's at our core. We have the teachers from the uh, University of Nevada, Reno. They're going in to the classrooms. So we have 13 schools that we go to. They go in and they teach nutrition education to the third grade, to third grade classes currently. Then we have our chefs from, um, from different properties, the South Point. Aria, Mandalay Bay, just to name a few. And they actually come in and cook up a whole breakfast. So we pick one, each school that we go into once a month, teach nutrition education for 40 minutes. Then we pair them with a uh, chef entity. They come in and cook school for the entire breakfast. It's the most amazing thing to experience. We need to make you a morning person to come out and, uh, <laughs> and, and check that out one day because the kids light up when they walk in and they see the chefs and they're in their chef coats and their chef hats, their aprons, and they have a whole buffet lined up of fresh fruits and vegetables and Jamba Juice has got the um, smoothies there for them and each of the kids get a little, little cup to taste there. And it's just amazing to see those kids in the morning and they get a chef hat and they, <laughs> then they get, and, and it's actually a conversational starter. We ha we've had several of our principals say, this is really neat because then further on in the day, we actually um, hear the kids talking about it. Wow, that's so cool. What's that? I maybe I can do that when I grow up. And and so yeah. they're really they're introduced not only to some food but to some potential career opportunities. You know what I think is really interesting about this program, and I've you know been aware of your work for several years. Um, it's it's one thing to go into a school and teach kids that they need to eat their vegetables, right. or show them the food pyramid, or whatever the current version of the right. stuff that I grew up with <laughs> is. Um, and you know, the, I I was taught that in school. I had yeah. nutritional education in school, but you know, like at the end of the day. I didn't want to eat my broccoli because no, no offense to my mom's cooking, but you know, she wasn't doing <laughs> wow things with broccoli. My broccoli was broccoli sitting there on the side of the right. plate. I wanted to eat the things that tasted, you know, delicious. And I think that if you could teach kids what they need to eat to be healthy and then serve them some of these things in a delicious form and show them that it doesn't have to be don't eat, you know, uh, I hate, I hate those nutritious things because I, I, look, I have friends, I'm 55 years old. I have a friend who still refuses to eat vegetables, like never has in his entire life. Right. And it's, it's, it's insane. But you know, there are people who never learned that nutritious food can yeah. be tasty food. So when you were coming up with some of these programs or when you are working on developing new programs and things like that, is, I mean, are these the, the old school teachings, do those become part of that? Or do you throw that out and say, no, we have a completely different way to look at things now, and this is where we need to start? Well, we try really hard to kind of make it new. And so we start with farm to table. So the kids actually learn that it comes from a garden. It doesn't come from the grocery <laughs> <Correct>. store. <laughs> and we teach them the whole um, cycle. Yeah. So from the farm to processing, um, cooking, even all the way down to the end, which we're talking about composting. 
That's we, great. We also talk, uh, we highlight a fruit or vegetable. And to go off what he said, we, uh, kale is one of our focuses for a <laughs> month. And we show them two ways. Yep. And one fresh, so they can get baby kale. So maybe it's not quite so stiff. Right. And D- then difficult we, to chew. <laughs> exactly. And then we also give them a kale chip. Yeah. Oh, I love kale chips. Yes. And then we teach them how to make a kale chip at home. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And so that's why the kids get to see two different, two different ways. It doesn't have to be just the broccoli on the plate. Right. Um, We also teach the nutrients that are actually in it that help them specifically. And I think that makes a big difference. If I eat this, you know, it has vitamin C. Vitamin C is going to help keep me healthy. It's going to help me heal, Yeah. you know, each individual nutrient. So by the time we're done, um, you know, we've covered all the colors that we need to see on the rainbow and what each color actually helps them in their individual body. I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's amazing. You're, you're giving them a connection to something that they can they can understand what it looks like they can understand what it's going to do for them and i love the idea of the kale chip because just going back to kids it's a snack yeah it's a crunchy snack in the middle of the day you know maybe you throw some bagel seasoning or something on it you know whatever whatever they're yeah i'm a fan that's a great idea (laughs) and and crystal and their team they work with the kids um actually to send um information home they get to play games and 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 there's in there's in little incentives little little prizes right to try to get your family to make the recipes at home i love it when i get an email from her family uh ex school tried this and we have a picture of the recipe oh, of that's the, great. The family and so that the kids are actually getting back to their parents correct Crystal? yes yes we also have a physical activity yeah. Uh, part two, because you can't just do nutrition. We've got to do the whole thing. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun for them in the classroom as well. That is awesome. That is so much no, fun. Great program. And um, how, if, if there are chefs listening to this, because I hope at least a few listen to this podcast, how can they get involved with the program if they're interested? We, we have lots of ways at our breakfast. Um, chefs could come and, and, and just volunteer at any one of our 13 breakfasts. We do have uh, culinary teams that we are in need of to put on the thir- our 13 breakfasts. So a culinary team will pick it up. They will cook the entire meal at their the restaurant or at their facility. They will get, they get all the food donated. They cook it. Their team then drives it off to the school. We set it. We have volunteers. They set it up, and then they serve it. And um, we will be helping. There's all kinds of volunteering opportunities. Mm-hmm. Handing the hats out to the kid, serving their plates because the kids don't serve themselves. We serve them. They pick it up. Walking the kids back to the classroom. They're balancing <laughs> a bag full of books, a chef hat that they just got, yeah. and um, a plate. So we, we have that. Some of the kids eat in the lunchroom. Some of the kids will go back to their classroom and eat. Um, we have our dinner and auction uh, yeah. coming up, and we love love getting auction prizes from our chefs and our people that attend that event. They love going out and eating and dining. They are they want to go out in the town and check out all these new places. So I have one quick question before we get to the event, um, and it's for both of you. Um, I know that you know you're talking about going into schools and teaching these nutrition programs and having these breakfast programs and feeding these kids. And then we had a shutdown, and everybody became homeschooled. And I know that you had the dinner completely planned for 2020. And everything shut down. 11 days before the event. Oh, my God. <laughs> so how how did Chefs for Kids, if there is a brief way to kind of summarize that, how, how did they manage to keep up this kind of programming knowing that there were no kids in schools and we couldn't go to the dinner? And how, how did that affect you guys? I'll, I'll, I'll hop in for a quick second here and then I'll let Crystal take that over. But we obviously couldn't go into the schools for our breakfast portion. Mm-hmm. And we were not able to go into our schools 
um, until 2022. We started wow. it in February. And um, two or three of our schools, this year was the first year that we were able to go back and bring the breakfast program in. And those kids loved I'm it. I'm so glad. As far as the education program, I'm going to flip that over to Crystal. Please, yeah. we went virtual. Virtu- virtual. <laughs> yes, we did. We went virtual. Okay. I contacted the principals, um, me and the entire uh, staff at UNR. And we said, hey, you know, we're still going to do this. And we're going to figure it out. And we did. And so we had to end up with PowerPoints, which we don't always use in the classroom. But you've got to help some way. Yeah. And we just did it. And um, it worked out as good as it could be. Yeah. It was interesting to see the kids at home um, with what they're dealing with in the background. Uh So that was kind of a challenge, (laughs) (laughs) keeping everybody focused. But, uh, you know... It was an experience. I bet. Yeah. I'm it was guessing every parent in America can relate to that challenge <laughs> after the yeah. past few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you were able to keep that going. And so yeah. now you're back in classrooms and we get to talk about you back at dinner. <laughs> For those who can't see it, we're getting a little table dance. Whoa, that didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> Glad dance, it was you, not me a, this a, time. A chair dance. No, never no. mind. I'm just going to leave all that alone. Um, they, so they're dancing with joy. Dance, yes. yes. Joy dancing, it, seated in your chair. <laughs> um, so... So the the gala yes, is coming up, right? Saturday the 15th. Yes. At the Palms. Yes. Um, I can, I love the smile (laughs) on your face. So tell people more about the gala. Tell, tell people what to expect from what it's like to walk into one of these dinners and where their money goes. Las Vegas is, by the way, a great town for galas. It is. There's no shortage of galas in this town. And they're they're not, um, this is what I love about it. If I may go off on a slight tangent, what I love is that they're not. $10,000 $10,000 a ticket galas that, you know, if, you know, I used to live in New York City. You want to go to like the Met Gala or something, you got to get it willed to you by your grandmother or something. You know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, in this town, the, there are a lot of good causes, yours being one of, one of my favorites. And you, they do, you know, these causes throw these annual events and they're great excuses to dress up and yes. be as fancy as you want to be. And you don't, it doesn't oh, break the bank. I'm going to be glittering, ticket, baby. I am going to be glittering. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> I love that you guys do this gal. I went for the first time last year. I actually hosted. You did. Co-hosted with um with who Melinda was that? Melinda Shekels. Shekels. Yes, yes, which was awesome. And we're going to be doing I'm going to be doing it again this year with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you so and I are going to take it over this year. Super psyched. So with that little intro just yeah, what's what's your gala all about and what's the cost of entry and all that fun stuff? We are so excited this year. We are doing a 007 James Bond theme. So get dressed to the nines and come on out. We've got fancy martinis that Gemini is actually creating. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's going to be so much fun. It's at the Palms. It's $250 a ticket, $2,500 for a table. And I might say we are very close to selling out. So if you are Oof, ever interested get in those wanting tickets, to, kids. Yeah, we are. Um, myself dancing in the chair. I got so excited. Um, <laughs> Our people love to dance at the galas, and so we have this great band, Harbor Lights, that come out, and we have dancing all night long. Sometimes you have to be like, okay, time to get off the dance floor. we got to do another part of our program. Time for these hosts to do something. We're going to be I'm up always on happy to stay off and let people right. dance. They're probably enjoying dancing more than they enjoy hearing me say anything. Except you do some great programming and you also honor, you always honor somebody at your galas. Absolutely. And this year it is executive chef Chris Johns from the South Point right here where we're recording from. And uh, he has been involved with our organization almost, almost from the beginning. He was chairman for 15 years. He has so many great stories, and so, and he has been so wonderful that, um, yes, we honored him this year, and we can't wait to celebrate him at the event. Yeah, and we I actually interviewed Chef John's last year. You did, yeah. When we were hyping, your, when we were telling people about your gala, and I just bumped into him at the Pizza Expo. He came over to, he saw my I saw, saw him my earlier today, he mentioned that. <laughs> I got to say, I think like the only thing that I would fit in in a James Bond theme is going to be a Bond villain. Do it. I I definitely look like I should be a Bond villain. <laughs> I love it. But no, I'm just going to grab a suit. I'm not. I, I don't think I'm going to wear a tux. I don't know. I haven't. I don't. I don't own the tux. 
I with think, all the galas I think in your this leather town, maybe jacket you should... and whatever else you want to put with it, man. Uh, like... no, I got some fly suits. <laughs> so I, I, I clean up good. Don't all you right. worry about that. All right. But it's fun to dress up. And I bring that up because, you know, it is cool to just, you know, and, and people know me. I'm not a very formal guy. I don't I've never had to dress up for my job. I've never had to do any of that. So, you know, to me, I like getting dressed to the nines and going out and, you know, having a good event and doing it for a good cause. You always have great auction items at your events. Um, I went home with a box of goodies from artisanal foods last year um you know i I never know what i'm getting at an auction i always like are you like this do you try to like um bid up the silent auction all the time just to raise the prices and then you end up going home with about 100 things (laughs) so i look at it twofold a i'm probably bidding it up because i want people to spend more money so the organization gets more money absolutely i am that person but I'm also that person that also kind of hopes I win anyway, mm-hmm. because I mean, they're going to get the money one way or the other, but then I get the goodies too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a fan. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm sorry. I took you off your track of the interview. No, what other topics no, that's do we okay. Need to that's to okay. So, um, yeah, so we are just to, just to confirm there's live auctions, um, for some usually really fancy sit down stuff. There's, um, silent auctions for more like goodie bags and baskets and some experiences and gift cards and things like that. Um, last year, Vic Vegas went crazy with the auction. He just kept upping what he was giving yeah. away. He just kept like, I'm going to add this and bring 50 extra people. And I mean, it was just, I, I'm exaggerating to some extent, to but if anybody to was there, extent. to a minor extent, he just yeah. kept, I thought he was going to be like Oprah and he, give he everybody a freaking car away, or something, man. There was enough people bidding. I think he basically gave away two full packages. Yeah. yeah. He just was like, if it, if they're gonna keep bidding and we can get the money for the for the program, let's just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. So if you are a big money spender, there are gonna be a lot of fantastic things oh, that yeah. you can bid on. I'm sure. Like There's Vicks jewelry was the big one. and trips and experiences. Oh yeah, there was that and, diamond last yeah. year, right? I didn't. Yeah. There there are things that I don't even get to like hold my hand up once because before before my hand can raise, like they're already at like my annual salary right. for things, um, which isn't much. So, um, but that being said, but then there are always there are things that are in everybody's price range Absolutely. especially within the silent auction yes. and it's a lot of fun and yeah really really cool yep. yeah where can people buy tickets you can go to chefsforkids.org and there's a banner across the top that will take you into a space for i think both the auction stuff that'll be coming up soon and yes. ticket purchases absolutely yes. yeah cool um and yeah what what other things do we need to talk about i want to make sure everybody has absolutely every bit of event i'm thinking well there is a little bit of news about chefs for kids that is going to be announced soon oh Um, well we're going to announce it now aren't we well we we are we are but i'm going to let renee announce it if she wants to and then uh well we have wonderful uh vic vegas who has just uh, joined our board as the president. I Ooh. love it. Too. And Mark Sandoval from UNLV. Mark he does. is our vice president. Yep. And then we have a beautiful board of directors. So we love our passionate chefs and culinary industry. They're not all chefs. Yeah. But 50% of our board is chefs. And then the remainder is culinary industry. And we love our dedicated board of directors. And we're so excited to have uh, Chef Vic joining the board. Yeah. Woohoo. Well, I actually... Um, spoke with Vic about that a little bit so now that we have broken the news officially let's play a bit of my conversation with Vic so Vic my old friend congratulations on the new gig man what can you tell me about it well brother I'm so happy right now that you know being in Las Vegas so long and dabbling into a lot of organizations and assisting them over the years I get to actually be part of the decisions made and the growth and you know awareness to be brought to this amazing organization about a chef for kids And how long have you been involved with Chefs for Kids? Well, technically, I've been involved with them for about 10 years because I was one of the chefs that used to meet them up at the schools back when I worked at the other food company. Mm -hmm. And we used to just pitch in, meet all the chefs, and start serving the breakfasts at the school. Even prepared a few of them myself with Chef Dave um, that had done it several times. But now, I mean, now we get to really make some decisions and call all our friends in to really help these guys out. What is it about Chefs for Kids? I know you get, I'm sure you get approached by hundreds of organizations that want you to lend a hand. There's so many great causes in this valley. What made, what is it about Chefs for Kids that drew you to this cause? Well, you had me at kids. Obviously, you know, I love St. Jude's for children. So now it's like, wait a minute. Now you're combining the word chefs and kids. Seems I have to step up and... You know, it really has my attention because it's two of my favorite things in life put together in one to really make a positive difference. That kind of got me. 
And you have any good memories you can share about your time with Chefs for Kids? Just maybe one, one quick story? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes after you worked midnight. You're delirious, you're tired, but just a thought of these children that you're going to see in the morning. This was the first time I did it. I didn't know that I had children that were going to be all bright-eyed, looking at me like like a superhero came in, giving them food and giving them a little education on it because you didn't realize what they didn't know. So I'm going to say the greatest moment ever was to be able to realize that you were in a position to educate the children who was seeking this information to make themselves better. That's huge. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. It is time for the news, and Buddy Velastro invited Sheriff Kevin McMahill down to Carlo's Bakery in the Grand Canal Shops at the Venetian to celebrate the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department's 50th anniversary. They were celebrating with a cake decorating contest. (laughs) Yes, our sheriff, Kevin McMahill versus Buddy Velastro in a cake decorating contest. That's amazing. No surprise the sports books were not taking bets on who would win. In that contest. I would have liked to have seen the odds. That would have been great. Um, yeah, obviously not a very fair battle, but it was a very fun battle. Um, the sheriff's family and a lot of others from Metro, came, a lot of other officers from Metro also came out to support him. Um, he honestly did a better job than I could have done. I've taken cake decorating classes, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's harder than it looks. I think people forget that. Um, but yeah, in the end, Buddy presented Metro with a special cake, and they gave him a plaque. And then I spoke to Buddy a bit about it afterwards. Metro is so important to the community and 50 years, you know, serving and protecting and putting their lives at risk every single day and trying to make this a better community. You know, we have so much admiration and respect for them. And, you know, when they asked us they wanted to come in, I was like, we got to make them a really awesome cake. We appreciate them. And how'd the sheriff do? Do you know the sheriff? uh, He don't quit his day job. No, (laughs) sheriff actually did really good. And we just had a lot of fun together. It was really amazing. And they got me a beautiful plaque. Really touches my heart to feel like I'm so embedded in this community. And Mandalay Bay has set May 3rd as the opening date for Retro by Voltaggio. The one-year culinary residency will celebrate the best of the 80s and 90s with the brothers' quote, modernized take on classic American dishes served in an environment with playful and nostalgic nods to the era. Okay. Uh, you know, I've spoken with the Voltaggios a few times. <laughs> I'm willing to bet money that a publicist wrote that line, not one of the Voltaggios. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. Uh, but it, it sounds quite interesting. I'm very psyched to see this. I love everything they do, so I'm excited. And, you know, Vegas has been so primed to have the Voltaggios. Yeah. You know, they, do, they were doing the pop-ups. People love them. Um, and yeah, I think a year. Hopefully, it'll it'll extend and be longer. That would be fantastic. Or maybe they'll change up the concept every year. That would be pretty cool. That'd too. be fun. Um, so this is going to be going into the old Ariol space, yeah. and um, we've learned that Ariol's last night of service is set for April fourteenth. You can make reservations now, presumably for Ariol, but you can also make reservations now for Retro by Voltaggio. Fantastic. In other what's going to open soon news, the Tau Group is bringing New York City's Cathedral to Aria on May 1st. Yeah. Um, they're going to offer French Mediterranean cuisine. Interesting. I don't think I've ever been to, well, I know for a fact I've never been to the one in New York City. I was convinced I had been in that building before, but because they, I've seen it, it has these vaulted ceilings. Yeah. And it looks like a cathedral. But I was actually thinking about a room across the street from where it is in Webster <laughs> Hall. So I 
I haven't been in it, so this will be my first. I'm looking forward to taste, it. So that should be cool. And Evil Pie is paying tribute to the late Robbie Knievel with their latest charity pie. Um, it's available through the end of April, so I'm not sure if they extended that because it was also their March charity pie. But it's going all through April, and I always like to talk about what they're doing. Yeah. It's the roasted garlic and artichoke pie, and it is based on suggestions from the Daredevils family. This, of course, makes sense. Robbie Knievel is the son of Evil Knievel. Yep. Evil Pie is is a testament to the coolness of evil Knievel. So it's perfect. It's available by the slice for $7 each. $1 from each slice will go to benefit U.S. vets. Awesome. Uh, Organization's mission is to aid in the successful transition of military veterans and their families through the provision of housing, counseling, career development, and comprehensive support. Um, And here's Evil Pie's GM, Samantha Bandy, talking about the pie. This is probably one of my favorite pies that we've ever done. We start off with our uh, almost like a spinach artichoke base. Then we top it with more mozzarella and then roasted garlic on top. And then when it comes out, a little sprinkle of sea salt. So everyone loves spinach artichoke dip. And what better way to not have to deal with the digging in and all that. It's all right there on the pizza ready for you. And yes, we did just talk about it, but I'm going to remind you anyway, we've got two big culinary supportive events you can participate in to help your community and spread great works with and through the hospitality industry here in Las Vegas. We just talked about Chefs for Kids. The reminder for that is that it is Saturday, April 15th at the Palms Hotel Casino. Chefs for Kids will be hosting its 31st annual fundraising dinner honoring the works of Chef Chris Johns. We're always adding some amazing auction items every day, some of which will get launched soon as part of the silent auction portion. Tickets are $250 per person. You can get a table of 10 for $2,500. And you just got to go to chefsforkids.org. You'll see the banner at the top. It'll walk you through the whole process. And don't forget, it's dinner, it's drinks, it's dancing, and it's Al and I helping you throughout the night. Oh, uh, You know, it's interesting. You're talking about auction items and... Um I was just asked to do an auction item for another organization for JDRF's. Oh gal. yeah! So um, let me know what you think of this. Let's work this out on the air. Yeah, can we, can do we it. spitball? Can yeah. we workshed this? Whatever they call that. We're, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking. Um, You're gonna shave your head? No, no. Fuck that. I did that for charity <laughs> one year, and it took forever to grow back. I am not John Katz, man. Mine does not grow back quickly. Um, no, 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 no. no. Um, but what I am doing is, um, I think we're gonna do. Um, group i'm going to tell the auction winner and four of their friends i'm going to take them on a pizza tour of downtown las vegas that sounds great i'm thinking of four to five pizza places i think we could hit pop-up i'm thinking we can hit pizza rock i'm thinking we can hit evil pie i think we can go to good pie yeah maybe even go to esther's kitchen for one of their pizzas and tell show them this the idea is what's you know dining with me who gives a shit right i get it um that's not a big deal people try to act like oh auction off lunch with yourself nobody gives a shit about that but <laughs> you want to know what it's like to be um, to be a food writer, a food critic, or somebody yeah. who talks about food for the living. So I'm going to take them to all five of these pizza places. Then I want to have them on our podcast, if that's okay with Let's you. Let's do it. And then they will get the, they'll get their five or ten minutes to critique the pizzas that they I'm had. In. So are you down? I'm down. Okay, cool. So I'm throwing that up there. But I all interrupted right. you again. Should as we I throw one up there for these guys too? Often. Um, well, I don't know, man. Maybe we got to come up with something a little different. Okay. I, yeah, Let's... I don't want to take the this. This is one that I've been already brainstorming right. with some other people on so let's see what we could do in the next week see if we can like up something cool for this one i love it okay uh so also mentioned last week and mentioning throughout picnic in the alley is also returning to downtown las vegas on sunday may 21st an event curated by women for everyone benefiting the shade tree las vegas and women's hospitality initiative again this is an event that is completely curated built all the logistics all the food all the drinks uh, uh, by women uh, in culinary and around uh, Las Vegas. We'll have some artists there. We're going to have a pop-up cookbook curator. Uh, I'll be putting out some of my hot sauce and also hosting a guest speaker series. Those tickets have gone up. They are one twenty-five per person. That gets you in the door at five o'clock. General admission and VIP for another twenty-five bucks. That's one hundred and fifty dollars. Gets you in an extra hour at the beginning. You can walk in the door at four o'clock. There'll be some mingling with the chefs, maybe some canapes. Go to picnicinthealley.com. 
You know VIP. what I like about VIP seating now that I'm getting old? Yeah. Is like it's the <laughs> only time that actually it's get cool a seat? to be early. No, like, you uh, know, yeah. you know I, I'm, I'm coming from a lifestyle where you used to never leave the house before midnight, <laughs> right. right? And that kind of shit. And like now that as I get old, like I'm the guy that wants the early right. dinner or whatever. But, you know, now my excuse is, no, I got the VIP seat. Right. Seating. I have a drinks thing tonight <laughs> yeah. at six. I'm like, how early can I get there, really? Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, go online, picnicinthealley.com uh, and all of the the social medias will have it uh you can also reach out to me if you need any information on either of these two events um you know we just want to get it out there cool well look thanks to all of our guests renee google man you know i'm gonna (laughs) fuck that one up and she even phonetically spelled it for me Guglielmetti. thank you renee crystal momi um you just tell me when i'm getting these wrong vic vegas <laughs> samantha bandy and of course buddy velastro i shouldn't be allowed to announce names ever <laughs> please tell a friend about food and loathing available at the usual podcast places check al's musings and postings on the major social media sites just search food and loathing and you can reach us directly by email and that's info at food and vegas and if you haven't done it yet and again why not Download that Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Hey, and if you want to see me on TV, it could be a kind of fun drinking game. You can have to drink for every color of my mohawk that week or something. I don't know. And, you know, nothing better than early morning because I do my weekly TV appearance on Wake Up with the CW. It is now every Friday around 8.30 a.m. And catch me all week long also on the Neon Feast Foodie Updates on the Vibe. It's basically, it's on all the Vegas Vibe stations, all the highway um, drive stations. Um, the Vibe 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert 98.9 at the river and then if you're more of an am radio kind of person <laughs> every thursday morning around 8 10 a.m i'm on the club at am 670 kmzq and if you want to find out what i'm up to a you can listen to this podcast which you already are or you can find me on the socials or my website at wishbone and vine with samantha gemini stevens and for Rich Johnson, who is now listening to this and trying to figure out how to make it sound halfway decent. We love you, Rich. We love you, Rich. I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.